Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of we still don't know what we're going to talk about, lots of yeah, we really do not ever know what we're going to talk about during the lives, but let's get to it! He is unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable. He's Alex Richter, the Kung Fu genius. And every day, I practice martial arts. All right, yo, here we are. We are alive again and it's always alive a little chaotic again so, uh, somehow apologize to you guys we're running a little bit late uh, a little bit of chaos in the studio today thanks to mikey dean we yeah made we it. uh we recorded uh two episodes today <laughs> without mikey dean yeah um, somehow our, our poor sound guy uh, has a bit of the flu uh-huh and was sick and wasn't able to help us out uh, for the earlier episodes uh, that we recorded. Man. But he made it in literally at the 11th hour, oh. exactly at the 11th hour to be here to get our live set up. He came in at 4.52. <laughs> and the live went yeah. on at 5 p.m. So welcome, everyone. Awesome. Awesome. Today's uh, live episode is going to be about Bruce Lee in MMA because this is a dead horse that I don't feel has been kicked enough oh, in no. the martial arts world. No. So I figured um, no. I'd put my two cents on this dead horse uh, and then huh. bury it and never talk about it again as a huge a tough one to Bruce Lee fan and MMA fan kind of talk about All that right, a little bit. Let's try it. So, let's try um, and bury this. Yeah, so in any... Yeah, any... <laughs> put came in the poor... The, with COVID, the poor guy. That's what mm -hmm. they said. No, I think Mikey Dean just has the... Uh, what, what, what is the flu from... Uh, from Great Britain, bird flu. No, not bird flu. It's the uh, the foot, foot mouth disease. What is that called? <laughs> oh, uh, cow disease. Mad, mad cow, cow disease. That's right. Mad yeah, yeah. Cow. Dre's got the foot in mouth disease. Yeah, that's what's that's up. That's my shit. So, uh, so here we are. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Bruce Lee and MMA. What I think about it. All that kind of stuff. Mm. And then, of course, since it is alive, we'll take uh, whatever questions we can get from the audience. We'll do um, our best to get to all. We'll of do them, our right? best to get to them. Dre will be a little bit on uh, on that tip, checking that out because I'll be punting over here on <laughs> Bruce Lee and MMA. So first, you know, a lot of topics to talk about when we talk about Bruce Lee and MMA. How how would have Bruce Lee fared if he had done MMA? What would Bruce Lee have thought about MMA? All those kind of things. Mm -hmm. These are there are lots of topics that tend to overlap. First thing I would say is like if we talk about the meatiest of all the topics, how would Bruce Lee have done he in MMA? Have, he would have been a bad mother champion. <laughs> He would have. He would have been the heavy from Masvidal. He, he would have been the heavyweight champion at 127 <laughs> pounds for sure. All right. Ngannou. Yeah, yeah. He would. He would have definitely beaten Ngannou. Oh no. 30, uh, 30 seconds tops. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Ngannou would have tripped and fell and knocked himself out. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, um, so anyway, oh, I'm a huge goodness. Bruce Lee fan. Yes. Been a Bruce Lee fan since I was eight. I think Bruce Lee's one of the most innovative or was one of the most innovative minds in martial arts. He was definitely some someone who saw things that mm -hmm. other people in his time period didn't see. But this is a different question as to whether someone would be able to physically dominate in a sport that would exist 50 years after their time. Right? Okay. And so uh, the problem is a lot of Bruce Lee fans 
have a really hard time divorcing what Bruce Lee did in the movies with what he did in real life and what he was capable of doing in, in real RL? life. In RL, right? Hmm. Uh, and and in fact, like you know, there's there's those the video footage of him doing like the, I think the the three or two finger push ups or whatever, and people are like yeah, Bruce Lee used to do push ups on one finger, and we literally have video footage of him doing those the two or three finger push ups. Mm-hmm. We don't have video footage of him doing one finger push ups, but I'm sure there's someone out there is like he could do no handed no push-ups. finger push no finger push ups, right. right? And so the the problem is that even like stuff that we can see. Mm. All right. Things that we have like, you know, video evidence of people are still embellish the living shit out of that. And Bruce Lee was someone who was really quite phenomenal for his for his time period uh, in terms of like his mind and how he thought about martial arts. And he was like a traditional martial artist in the time of the 60s who understood that boxing and wrestling were really effective martial arts and that it's not about being bound by a style and like it doesn't matter how many techniques you supposedly know it only matters what you're actually able to do okay and uh he understood that in a time period where people thought that if you could break bricks that automatically meant you would kill someone if you hit them with that hand he understood that that wasn't the case so when you look at Bruce Lee in, in in that kind of context, he was well ahead of a lot of the other people at that time period, all right? But does that mean that Bruce Lee from the late 60s mm-hmm. would have been able to just walk into the UFC 50 years later? Like like if you just t- Dreisen hypothetical okay. him into yeah. the UFC cage across from a Demetrius Johnson or across from anyone else that he would then perform in a way that we would expect. Mighty Mouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a way that we would be like, oh, yeah, he would just go in there and just annihilate. I, I don't really think so. And I think the first person who would admit that would be Bruce Lee. Hmm. The big problem with all these hypothetical questions about how Bruce Lee would have done in MMA is they're all argued with the air of... Bruce Lee thinks he would have beat everyone in MMA 50 years from the time that he died. And Bruce was someone who respected boxing. He understood how dangerous boxers were. He understood wrestling, how dangerous wrestlers were. And I think that if he had the chance to see modern MMA, like if someone gave him a video in 1969, be like, yo, people are going to be fighting like this 50 years from now. I think he would see that there was clearly an evolution in the way people were doing things. Yeah. Because in his time period, he had to tell karate point fighters that maybe they should move around and use some head movement and, and use some distance and feints and stuff. That's different from someone who starts martial arts learning that from the beginning and also learns wrestling and all of these other things and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that Bruce would have been the first one to admit that, wow, in order to compete at this level, a martial artist has to have all of these skills. It is essentially the uh, justification of Bruce Lee's ideas, but it has already evolved at a point that was way beyond even where he was at at that time. So he would have been blown away looking at. I think MMA. I think he would have thought it was great, and I think he would have definitely seen like, oh wow, this is like, this is definitely an evolution. But it was all along the lines of thought that he was already talking about, right? Mm. He said things like, you know, a a um a, a boxer has to has to be able to, you know 
just stop a judo man. I mean, I'm totally butchering this this um, uh, saying. I got four hours of sleep last night, so I apologize. Yeah. But um, you know, it was like, yeah, the, like three, you have four. to have you have to have a boxer that can that can keep a judo man from grabbing him, and you have to have a judo man that can keep a boxer from boxing him. And he already said things where he he kind of understood like striking and grappling and, and the different strengths and weaknesses and stuff. And so the the problem I always have with like the Bruce Lee fanboys is they they cannot differentiate Bruce Lee from Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee in real life in a cage against another fighter. And I find that that is the biggest disrespect to Bruce Lee. Mm. Because it's like you being this like ultimate fanboy that cannot imagine that Bruce Lee could be defeated by another high-level athlete is actually misunderstanding what Bruce Lee was talking about. And it's actually causing, in my opinion, a lot of disrespect to Bruce Lee's ideas and, and, and to his memory. Because he's not the one going around saying, like he at that time, he said, yeah, he has confidence and he doesn't have any fear of anyone around him. Yeah, because, you know, you look around the people who are prominent in martial arts at that time, he was way ahead of them. But it is now 50 years later, man. All right. And I think Bruce would have been the first one to recognize it. His fanboys nowadays, they do not understand the difference between they think like what Bruce Lee did to Bob Wall is literally what he would do to Anderson Silva if he was in the ring with him or something. That's like, no. And the first person to tell you that a real fight wouldn't be that way would have been Bruce Lee. So I think Bruce Lee is getting a lot of undue criticism as if he is somehow from beyond the grave, the one making these claims when it's just a bunch of misguided man children mm -hmm. who don't understand the difference between movie fighting and real fighting. And Bruce Lee was someone who understood the difference between both. And I think he would have been the first one to admit that this was something kind of new. Mm -hmm. And if he were to compete in that, he would have to go and learn a few new skills because of his long range striking and sidekick and straight lead. And those things could not keep one of these guys from coming in. And suddenly he was in a grappling situation. I don't know if he physically or sorry, I should say, I don't know if he technically had the skills to be able to deal with that situation. Okay. But I think he would have wanted to learn them to right learn away it. and yep. improve upon that. Right? right. And then, of course, there's always this other thing about, oh, there are too many rules. Look. All right. Bruce was definitely one of the guys who understood the problem with rules and how you cannot compare that to um to real fighting right and of course he had his boxing match against gary elms and right. uh because of the boxing gloves he he wasn't able to put gary elms away although he won the fight but that was one of the things that turned him off about rules and i think when when bruce was really hardcore about rules sucking all right. <laughs> He's right. talking about point fighting karate, which was just a bunch of which was essentially just glorified tag with hands and feet. When Bruce was talking about rule sets and how they're constrictive to what you really need to be able to do in fighting. I don't think he he knew that something like MMA would exist. All right. And yes, MMA has rules. Can't do 12 to six. Can't gouge out the eye. Can't hit in the groin. Man. But you know what? Neither. Neither can the guy you're fighting. Yeah. So the thing is, if you can't beat someone with rules, what makes you think you can beat them without? All right. And I'll tell you something. All right. All of these guys who are like, yeah, man, in a real fight, I'll just bugee him in the eyes and I'll just punch him in the throat, kick him in the knee and do all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Dude, if GSP stood in front of you 
<laughs> All right. And, and and you can bugee him in the eyes. Mm-hmm. You can punch him in the throat. You can kick him in the knee. You can do whatever illegal technique is not yeah. allowed in MMA. Yeah. I think he has you on the ground in 12 seconds and he's punching the shit out of you or choking you with your own arm. Because it's one thing to theoretically understand how you might stop someone uh-huh. using all these kind of things. And it's yet something else to actually be able to do it against a trained athlete that has speed and athleticism and is not going to let you do that. And the first one who would have recognized that was Bruce Lee. Man. The fact that Bruce Lee said you have to be able to hit someone in the eyes, you got to use your whole body, you got to be able to do this or whatever, doesn't mean that he was some unrealistic fantasist that thought that someone who outweighed him by 200 pounds, he's just going to flick him in the eyes and that guy's going to fall like a cheap suit. He understood that. It's the fanboys that don't get it. All right? And look, mixed martial arts has rules, but it's pretty it's pretty much as unrestricted as you could possibly get and it still be a sport. All right? You look at John Jones. John Jones uses those so-called oblique kicks. A lot of guys are using that lead leg side kick or whatever, and it's a very, very effective tool. But no one, with rare exceptions, I know Khalil Roundtree, I think, busted someone's knee pretty bad with that lead leg side kick. But for the most part, knees are not breaking backwards because people are kicking, doing straight lead side kicks to the side. All right? Accidental eye gouges happen all the time. Oh, yeah. And that definitely shows you the, shake eff- the, the effectiveness of an eye gouge. Well, they yeah. have the chance to recover in between. Right. But I don't think that if you allowed eye gouges that that would be, that, that, that would be the thing that stopped every fighter in their tracks. Yeah. I think if you... I, I think if Conor McGregor was allowed to eye gouge Khabib Nurmagomedov, I think Khabib Nurmagomedov still would have won. So I, I don't think... That these things that people think, oh, the rules of the fight, there's no rules. Uh, uh, I think you're talking out of your ass. I don't think you've actually ever stood across from someone with cauliflower ear yeah. whose neck is the same diameter as his head. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to eye gouge this dude and yeah. stop him, right? Yeah. So I, I think that they, there tends to be a little bit of an issue with people overhyping those kind of things. Boxing Lounge, let's go, champ. Nice. Thank you for the five-pound donation. Thank That's our you. favorite nation. Yes. Donation. The donation. And who else we got? Topher for Release the Tang Sang Kush. A preach. So, you know, and again, like I talked before, it's like, look, how how good would have Bruce done in MMA? Without any training in MMA, just kind of as is, I don't think he would have done that well. Had he known about it and had a chance to train it and, and start it at a lower level, I think he would have had the chance to do something with it but the problem is you you cannot just say sight unseen you would put him into a cage with the lights and everything like that and he would and he would be tang long from way of the dragon against anyone you put in front of him right and 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 so i i think that uh it's it's unfair to bruce lee Mm. to say that he would do all these things when bruce lee himself was not the person to say that all right and uh, a lot of, like, Robert Klaus, the director from Enter the Dragon, right. he, he said in his book that Bruce Lee said, you know, I mean, if he really fought against Muhammad Ali, well, I mean, Muhammad Ali is much bigger, and I mean, look how small my Chinese hand is or whatever. People got really upset about that because they were like, no, nah, Bruce Lee wouldn't say that. No, Robert Klaus has said some BS from time to time. Okay. But I'll tell you what, and this is just my opinion, and people can disagree with it, and I'm totally fine with that. I will go to sleep at night and not give a shit. Um, 
uh, <laughs> uh, okay over there? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, Mikey Deep. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that that, that actually sounds like something Bruce Lee would say. Yeah. When you listen to the Dan Lee phone conversations and you hear the respect that Bruce had for boxing, Mm-hmm. And and talking about how those Chinese martial artists really didn't have any clue, and if they were in there with a boxer, they would be in big trouble. Even though they only have the two tools, meaning the two hands, mm-hmm. they're much more effective, much more efficient than these guys with all of their so-called techniques that they can't use. And like I would take a really really sharp boxer over someone who knew eye jab and leg break kick and arm break and all of this no rules nonsense i i would say the boxer would light his face up any day of the week right (laughs) because it's one thing if you have applied those techniques under the stress that high level athletes have practiced those things under and it's another thing to just hypothetically think you're going to flick an eye jab because you have a because you have a a, a training dummy at home and you can flick eye jabs oh. on that thing really really fast yeah it's another thing when a dude whose neck is the same diameter as his head with cauliflower ear charges into you not giving a crap okay and and bruce i think was would be the first one to admit this his fanboys are the ones who don't get it it's Man. not bruce lee who didn't get it Man. they Sucks are the ones that don't boy. get it so um you know and then of course there's the other thing so if we go a little bit further so first of all i think that the question is kind of stupid because i think bruce lee he was not the person to, who would have talked shit about that i think he would have liked it um, but the other mm. thing is you really have to look at people in their time you know yeah when you look at people in their time period you have to see what are the innovations they made when you look at bruce lee in the landscape of martial artists in the 1960s he was well ahead of his time in terms of equipment training, in terms of cross training and different things, in terms of fitness and cardio being an integral part and strength training mm-hmm. being an integral part of what a martial artist should do and not just how how long you can do the siunam tao form for and with all these kind of fantasy things that traditional Chinese martial arts people think are, are going to create the difference between the guy who goes in the gym and hits the heavy bag and trains and spars, but you can do the Sunum Tao uninterrupted for an hour and somehow you're going to floor in Ganu with your elbow power. Um, these people have another thing coming to them, right? Mm-hmm. And and but you have to you have to be fair and look at people in their time, right? I also think that a lot of boxers from back in the day, no matter how good they were, I think they would have had a really hard time with some modern boxers of the same weight class, even the ones who are not as good as those other boxers were in their time period. Okay. Because the modern boxer, for example, grew up on what those other guys have already done. We are standing on the shoulders of the people who oh, came in front of us. All right? right. When people go, like, yeah, of course you're going to mix different martial arts and uh, uh, you do pad training and, and it's not about styles. It's about how good the fighter is or whatever. Yet you say that now because of people like Bruce Lee who broke those barriers a long time ago. All right. But he was the guy who said it in a time period where people thought if you were a black belt in karate and could smash a brick, that meant you could kill anyone. The old rumor that if you had a black belt in karate, you had to go to the local police station and register yourself as a deadly wow. weapon. People really thought that you even that in was the a eight, thing? even in the eighties <clears throat> when I was doing karate, I remember like my parents' friends who are much older, like, oh, they would ask me seriously, like, do you have to register in the local police office uh, to, to as a deadly weapon? Like, in the 80s, people thought that. And in the 60s, Bruce was like, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. You have to look at people in the time period. Nowadays, of course, people know it's not like that. You can have someone who's a decorated champion. That guy could get starched on the street by a nobody, right? Or you have someone who's a high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy get choked out by someone who's not as good in jiu-jitsu but just had a better night. Or you have a striker 
um, like Gokan Saki, who's like a high-level kickboxer, yeah. goes to UFC, actually gets knocked out by someone who's not nearly as good of a striker as Gokan Saki. Right? Because the moment you introduce these different variables, it changes the game. And I think Bruce Lee understood that, and I think his fanboys don't. All right. So also, so you got to look at people in their time period, like Helio Gracie. Without Helio Gracie, there would be no real Gracie jiu-jitsu as we know it. If you took Helio Gracie in his prime, okay, maybe in the 40s, all right, his prime in jiu-jitsu, and you put him against anybody in his weight class in jiu-jitsu nowadays, okay, he would not stand a chance in a jiu-jitsu competition. And if you put him in a no rules fight like the ones that he did back then with anyone from MMA now, Helio Gracie does not have a chance. So are we going to go, oh, man, well, that guy totally sucked. That guy didn't do it. No, because you have to look at people in their time period. What challenges did they face while they were alive against the people who were the best at that time? You can't then go 40, 50 years in the future to people who grew up knowing that stuff and taking it as a given uh -huh. and go, yeah, of course, yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, Bruce Lee used focus mitts when he was training in martial. It was a big deal. Everyone uses focus mitts. Yeah, now, buddy. Now. All right, but yeah. back then, people were doing katas and breaking stuff and thinking that's all you needed to do, hitting makawara boards and stuff like that. So, and if we look a little bit further into the ideas that Bruce Lee had, you know, about movement and distance and timing or whatever. I mean, these are things that are absolutely vital nowadays to be successful in mixed martial arts. So I think mixed martial arts has legitimized a lot of Bruce Lee's ideas. And I think it doesn't matter how he would have done. I particularly don't think he would have done that well just the way he was in the 60s and certainly not in the 70s. Look, when right. Bruce was like movie Bruce, yeah. I think he would have done worse. All mm. right. Because when he was movie Bruce, the dragon Bruce. Yeah, when he was movie Bruce, he wasn't training as much sparring stuff with his students because he was in Hong Kong. He was doing mostly physical fitness okay. to, to stay in shape. And uh, he wasn't like teaching and sparring regularly like he was a little bit earlier in L.A. Plus, let's not forget, he had a horrific back injury in 1970. All right. Bruce was in a lot of pain during that time period. And I think his movement was compromised. And, uh, you know, also, let's not. Oh, forget about also his extracurricular activities at that time. I don't <laughs> okay. think movie Bruce, that, that, that sharp-looking Bruce that everyone thinks, I don't think that even would have been the best version of him. It would have been probably before the back injury, mm. right? So And, and, and so uh, I, I think people, they just don't realize it. He also wasn't necessarily in, in the... In the in fighting shape, all right, to fight professionally. And when I say Bruce Lee wasn't in fighting shape, yeah, he had good cardio and he was well conditioned. But this is not the same as what you need to fight in mixed martial arts. And if you don't believe me, just grapple three five minute rounds with a mid level jujitsu guy. Just like do, roll. do just roll a little. Just roll yeah. three five minute rounds, super light rolling. All right. And to tell tell me what that feels. This is uh -huh. this is a totally different style of conditioning, yeah. right? So um, so anyway, you know, and people always say, oh, it's not a sport. Uh, you know, it's a sport. It's not the real deal. Mm. That's nonsense. If I locked you in a cage right now, across from Francis Ngannou, there would be nothing more real in your life than what was happening Ooh, in that. That's moment. that RL, right? You there. wouldn't go, oh, oh, this is just a sport. Uh -huh. If I locked you in the cage with someone your size. If I locked you in a cage with an MMA fighter, mm -hmm. lighter weight class than you. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. There, there wouldn't be, oh, this is just sport. This isn't real. Nah, man. Nice. That guy can knock you out. Yeah. That guy can break your arm. Stakes that guy can high. break your leg. That guy can put you out. That guy can also just take three or five rounds 
and bust you up. Mm -hmm. It is very real. The difference between street fighting and sport fighting is not the rules. The difference is this. In sport fighting, you have two willing participants. Right. In self-defense, you have one. The person who's attacking you is a willing participant. You, the defender, are forced to be there to defend yourself. This is different psychologically. It's not because of the rules. It's absolutely not because of the rules. The whole, oh, it's just a sport, it's not real, is only said by people who've never actually tried that and who don't understand. If you are doing sparring with a mixed martial arts guy, mm. okay, with mixed martial arts rules, he can punch you, kick you, take you down. That's pretty effing real, even if it's just sparring. And don't tell me that if you were allowed to use all your street fighting techniques, you're going to stop that guy from taking you down. Get out of here. This is, this is sex being explained by virgins. Okay? <laughs> all right? I, they, they, you, you, they need to stop with that shit. All right? And so, um, so anyway. All right? There he is. Uh, that's right. Okay. So here we go. Bob, don't hit back. All right. So what else we got? Yeah. Bob Wall, Robert Klaus, let's get beef. To some comments. Yeah, let's we get got to any some questions good. in here. Mm-hmm. Let's. I don't know. Like I don't a lot of people have. chiming in. Three Legged Lee. Hey, who wrote Three Legged Lee? Three that's legged not even. Lee. Did you write that? I did not. Who wrote Three Legged Lee? Where is that? That's writ written under the Kung Fu Genius. I'm the Kung Fu Genius. Who wrote Three Legged Lee? Did Someone you write that? Must have hacked your Mikey, phone. I'm like, who hacked my phone? <laughs> Who's right this me? I did not write Three Legged. Bruce did have the nickname Three Legged Lee, Lee Samka in Cantonese, right? Because first, first that nickname was derogatory from the first director of Big Boss, the one who was later fired. He mm. just called Bruce uh, Lee Samka, uh, which was Three Leg Lee, but he meant it in a derogatory way because Bruce he like Bruce could only do three kicks. Mm -hmm. Because he wanted Bruce to be able to do more operatic style stuff. And Bruce would just do, you know, round kick, the side kick, and yeah. spin kick, right? It's like, oh, he's just like a three-kick pony, right? <laughs> but then, of course, later, that nickname meant because Bruce was so fast, people thought it was like he had three legs, right? Because right. he'd blah, 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 we'd kick you so quickly. And then later, when he got a, you know, the oh, reputation, reputation as a ladies' man... Uh, Three-legged Lee got yet another yeah. meaning, right? Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah like so. a kickstand. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah, so anyway, uh, what do Look we got here? B -b 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 um, unbeatable, yes, who is unbeatable? <laughs> Sex explained by virgins, <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. look, the sport versus um, uh, street fighting debate. First of all, I hate the term street fighting, okay? Mm. Like, really, because all, all the guys are like, yo, in the streets or whatever, dude. Nobody who fights in the streets talks like, yo, but in the streets, bro. All right. First of all, if you're fighting in the streets, yeah. all right, then you're literally just committing assault or you are just deciding to do assault with someone else. All right. Yeah. So is this really what you, you're a normal person with a nine to five job and every once in a while you, <laughs> you and some other dude decide to commit yeah, salt on, assault on each other. It's right. It's me in a park, bro. Take right? it out back. It's, it's like, are you talking about street fighting or are you talking about self-defense, yeah, yeah. all right, okay? The because classic. the moment your hands are up, the other guy's hands are up and you're going back and forth, those are two willing participants. You cannot explain to a judge, no, bro, that's self-defense. Uh, your hands are up, his hands are up and you're going back and forth on the street, no, man, you're fighting and fighting is illegal, yeah. all right? You want to do that, then even out the playing field, put on some gloves, have some rules, and then go for it, right? But the idea that, like, oh, well, on the street, I can I can pull his hair, I can gouge out his eyes or whatever. Look, if someone is a good wrestler or a good boxer, you are not going to 
grab their hair. You're not going to mm. gouge out yeah. their eyes. I don't care how many times you hit the bob dummy or you, you 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 break the paper with your finger jab or whatever. This is this is this is <laughs> sparring this is, with paper. Yeah, but you know you, you have the yeah. you have the sheet of paper hanging and then you flick it so quickly. You, you know you go through it like oh wow. yeah, that to and see people do stuff like that and it's not easy. That's a skill you have to develop. I mean, you're still not stopping Brock Lesnar from uh, taking you down. Yeah. All right? You're going to flick no. that eye jab towards him if you even don't crap your pants when he's standing in front of you. And he's going to duck down. Your finger's accidentally going to hit his skull. You're going to bust <laughs> your finger. He's going to pick you up. Right. He's going to slam you so hard you get knocked out from the slam. Damn. And he's just going to be punching your corpse oh, at that I point, right? And it. and so this I is this is a... This is a big problem because, again, the assumption is that Bruce Lee is the guy telling you about, uh, well, if it's if it's on the street and you can do anything, that means you can beat anybody. All right. Look, the other thing that people forget about this stuff is that all right, I said before, if you can't beat someone with rules, what makes you think you could beat someone without? But here's the other thing. If you're on the, if you're having your street, your your hypothetical street fight, bro. All right, yo, I don't fight in a cage, bro. I fight in the street. Said no one who actually fights in the street ever. All right, yo, bro. And you're standing fighter. across from GSP, right? You're like, yo, bro. The street rules, man. No MMA rules. Right. All right. Well, guess what? That also means GSP can gouge out your eyes and kick you in the groin. All right. And if it I'm looking at you, ways in the street. Yeah. If I if I'm looking at you who your most of your martial arts experience is YouTube comments, all right? And I'm looking at GSP, whose most of his experience is being an effing UFC champion. Right. And now he's also allowed to gouge out your eyes and kick you in the nuts, all right? I'm putting my money on GSP. GSP. All right? It's a two-way street. Yeah. People, like, it's, it's, people just don't get it. This is just sex described by virgins, okay? They read a book once. Right? Yes. Bruce, yeah, this, and look, there are legit differences between self-defense situations, sport fighting situations, and fighting on the street and fighting in the gym and so on and so forth. But it has mostly to do with psychology. The difference between two willing participants and one willing participant is huge difference psychologically. Mm -hmm. There is a difference in jujitsu practice, whether you're doing it for sport or MMA or street fighting. All right. And I know this because I've trained with the Valenti brothers in Miami and their Brazilian jujitsu emphasis is self-defense. So when they teach jujitsu, they teach jujitsu with the idea that this guy can also punch and kick you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to tie the person up so they can't punch you when you bring him to the ground. All the pins and holds you use are specifically to stop this guy from punching you to do head control. When you do sport jujitsu, which is just the grappling end of things, and you don't have to worry about someone punching you, now you don't have to worry. The way you clinch, the way you make grips on the gi, the way you engage with the person mm -hmm. is different because now you're just worried about the guy grabbing you, taking you and down, taking and putting you in a submission no punches. you're not you're not worried about the person punching you or whatever right and then of course there's jujitsu for mma which is then adapted to the rules of mixed martial arts and and is a lot closer to the way it is done on the street but having trained with people who do sport jujitsu at a high level like magno and, and the henzo guys right and by the way they also do mma and self-defense and then also going to a pure self-defense approach from the valenti brothers it is very different because the way you approach your opponent or your partner is very different if the guy can punch or kick you, right? Mm. Those are certainly some differences, all right? But I will still tell you this. If someone is really good at sport jiu-jitsu and doesn't know anything about striking, and you know the fancy eye gouge and the throat punch and the knee kick and all your super dim mock techniques or whatever, uh -huh. I'll take the guy who only knows sport jiu-jitsu to just take you down and, and choke you with your own arm. 
over your hypothetical stuff. Now, if you spar regularly and you start to work these techniques into some kind of resisting sparring mm -hmm. against someone who actually knows those techniques, I would be more willing to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> but all the hypothetical stuff is this is not coming from experience. This is coming from, you know, your idea. All right. That, uh, yeah, on the street, uh, oh, I'm just going to do this and the guy's going to fall apart. All right. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right. The better fighter always wins. The fighter who's better trained is always going to win. It's not a matter of your secret revealed knowledge that, you know, these three forms and in these three forms, you have these movements. It doesn't matter how many forms, you know, only matters what you can do. Not just what you can do in the class, but you can do under stress. Under and most that. most people have not tested mm. their techniques out under enough stress to be qualified to say half the shit they're saying in the comments. They just say it because it sounds right-ish, but this is not coming from experience, right? Darn it. Yeah. So anyway. Dog um, it. All right. So what else do we got here? Boom. Well, I thought you just said that in a street fight, there's only one willing participant. No, I meant self-defense, all right? Not street fight, because again, I don't really understand street fight, all right? Mm. When, when most people say street fight, they mean self-defense. When we say self-defense or real talk, those are also two different things. Street right? fight is more like, yo, let's take this outside. Yeah, all right? Let's take this out back, or let's, yeah. let's meet after, what, after school. That's right, that's exactly. Right. And that means, that means you have volunteered for that. Yeah. All right? That's not self-defense. Yeah. That's, that's not justifiable, and it's not legal. Yeah. So you're fighting why? All right? Street fight. Street fight, bro. All right? <laughs> he looked at me funny, bro. Yeah. He's wearing the wrong color, bro. Mm. All right? I just don't like how he is, bro. Oh, man. So we got to go out, and we got to... If, if if I can if I can beat him mm -hmm. in, in 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 a street fight, then my opinion is correct. All right, because that makes sense. All right, that's how the world works. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, yo, Kimbo Slice, oh, rest in peace, OG the OG Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And even that Kimbo. and even that had first even that had rules as street boxing. Yeah. I remember first time I saw Kimbo Slice fighting. I was like, and he like that dude's eye popped out or oh, whatever that one fight was classic. crazy, man. Yeah, Ooh. and he was primarily a boxer. All right. And he, he was, was a very shocked. good street fighter, street boxer. Didn't do as well in MMA. All now, right. Why is that? Well, because he didn't have the uh, he didn't is have it, all the tools it, and he didn't the, have the cardio. Right. The cardio. Yeah. Got him. Right. So you look at someone like him who like on the street was wrecking dudes. Yeah. But all right? he had good cardio in the street. Is it because it was outside? Yeah. But also don't no. Also, don't forget, he wasn't kicking and wasn't wrestling. OK. The moment you add kicks. Yeah. That changes the cardio. Oh. And the moment you add wrestling, that oh, yeah. super it's changes the cardio. <laughs> super changes the cardio. True. All right? So, again, if you're not used to practicing in those kind of setups, you're literally doing something different. Mm. All right? You're literally doing something different. So, so, so your efficiency and effectiveness in one realm does not guarantee that efficiency and effectiveness in another one. So you could have Kimbo Slice who, like, look, if you're – if you're at the bar and some dude starts some shit <laughs> or whatever, who do you want behind your back? You want Kimbo, Kimbo Slice, Slice yeah. all right? Yeah, hell yeah. But now we're talking about, okay, now we're going to put him in a ring against someone else who's who's trained at a really high level. Okay, then maybe maybe not because this is like a different thing, all mm. right? And so Bruce could have been the fastest with the kicks and the punches and could have been able to fell any of the point karate guys in, in the 60s or whatever and beat up whatever Chinese extras and, and chase Wong Jack Man around there or whatever. But that, that doesn't mean that that translates to him in the ring with someone who has a good grasp of striking and grappling and submissions and, and, and Muay Thai, right? Wow. Uh, David Reynolds, what? 
Four ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, holy what? cow! That is in the red right there too. Well, we're gonna make Amazing. this the David Reynolds episode. All right, whatever you want to talk about, David Reynolds, David Reynolds. I will Reynolds. talk about for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Four hundred and ninety nine dollars. Yo, didn't I tell you my favorite nation donation? Hey, you know what? Next time, coffee's on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll, oh, let you guys, I'll let you guys coffee's get some David. sweetener and you get the fancy oh, coffee, okay. all right? I, I, get I get a lot. Thank, thank, thank you very much, David. That is above I, yeah, I and beyond if I read that what, we, uh, what, uh, what we would ever ask for. Definitely appreciate it. If you have any questions, Beautiful. you will always get priority, sir. Yeah. All right, here we go. You fight an island where the only way to escape is defeating martial artists in a tower-like game of death. The last martial artist you fight is Beardy. And the final Dryson C Part 2. Oh, part 2, how shit. will you do it? Remember, you can also work together with the previous guy you defeated. Will you work with Beardy to defeat Dryson C Part 3? Part 3, <laughs> will you throw a coconut, for example, in his head that you found on the island? Holy cow. Yo. Well, David Reynolds, thank you again. Thank you for your... Oh, uh, I canceled my order on the wall bag uh, and purchased some rattan rings because of you. <laughs> well, then I'm glad you're really paying attention to the underlying theme of Kung Fu Genius, which is right. the most important thing to focus on is rattan ring training. Oh, this is the highest it. level you have. You know what? I take everything back. If Bruce Lee trained with a rattan ring, he'd be able to defeat anyone in mixed martial arts. That is legit. The thing that was missing from Bruce Lee's training was rattan ring training. And if he had that, Brock Lesnar would have we no chance. We figured it out. Wow, but this hypothetical back over here, right? fighting on an island, going up a tower, the last, the, the last martial artist you fight is Beardy, and then the final, Dryson. Okay? Well, you know what's weird about both Beardy and Dryson is they are, they are both imaginary characters. All right? Somewhat. That, that's like saying, like, okay, the last two you fight is Beardy and Dryson. It's like, okay, you have uh, the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny as, your, <laughs> the, your fight, as the final... Uh, ones that you're you're fighting there, right? Man. And that's like holy cow! It's what you imagine it to. Be. Yeah, Dryson, as far as I can tell, is some dude in disguise. All right. I mean, he's trying we... to clown off of your name a little bit. I suspected Mikey Dean for the longest time. No, but when he was here the other day, we kind of got a visual. Yeah, it was like Michael Jackson and Latoya for the longest time. You never yeah. saw them in the same room, and right. then you did, and then you're like, okay, maybe they are hey. not the same person. So, uh, so I don't think Mikey Dean is Dryson. You were obviously in the same room as Dryson. I don't think you're Dryson. I mean, he felt the wrath. I was in the same room as Dryson. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not Dryson. But I think Dryson still might just be someone playing a character. So it's still so? a bit of a fairy tale. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And Beardy, Beardy, Beardy is some dude from Eastern Europe or from Scandinavia. Yeah, sc think Scandinavia. Scandinavia. From and my, he's pretending to be someone. Yeah, your roots. Yeah, yeah. Very clearly your roots. <laughs> oh, and uh, I, I don't think either of these he two are real. Might be my cousin, right. long lost cousin somehow. But I can, but I can imagine, you know, because Beardy had those videos where he's talking about how he trained, and he used those two different photos, which we did the reverse, oh. reverse Google image search on, <laughs> only to find out that those were two different people, and right. none of them were named Beardy or whatever his McAllister fake mm -hmm. name, whatever. Right? Mm -hmm. I think. I think Beardy weighs like a buck oh five. Wow. And so I think that I would defeat Beardy just by slapping him across the face because he's just probably just a, a tiny man child. No. And then I would what? grab Beardy by the ankles and I would spin him around and use him to defeat Dryson. I would literally beat Dryson Throw with Beardy. 
That that's a good plan. And I think that's so how you would win. Plan of execution. Right? I think that's how it would work. Mm. And then once you knocked out Dreisen, yeah, you would go up to him and you would pull his mask off, like at the end of a Scooby Doo episode. Of course, right? And it's who? And then you would find out. I don't know that it's uh, shit. Mike Tyson. No, it's one of the fake Bruce Lee clones, right? <laughs> it's Bruce Lee, Bruce, Bruce Lee, who got so pissed off that I called him the four-stripe Adidas of yes. Bruce Lee imitators. Yes. And he was like, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't, wasn't for you meddling Pesky. KFG Pesky. and TFG. Yeah. All right? So anyway. Wow. Uh, but thank you again, David Reynolds. And yes, I'm glad we could steer you on the correct path, which it's all about the rattan ring, the most important piece of training equipment ever devised all right so here we go what else we got oh junction street tigers by the way we just recorded an episode today Ah, we had a question from junction street tigers and i answered it as a matter of fact i think it was the top of the episode question it was about uh ligers ligers no it wasn't about ligers all right that's what you thought it was ligers don't reproduce they we, can't reproduce. we literally recorded it today so just hey guys in lifetime <laughs> i've always complained about how dre jumbles facts yeah. all right we yeah. recorded this earlier today he's already <laughs> messing it up all right that gives you the idea there right? i'm just trying to give my man david his money's worth yeah beard uh we uh, beardy will make you believe he knew bruce lee but as a respective lee he wouldn't fight with you <laughs> oh, okay. flash arrow you know junction did you ever uh, uh have a bruce lee or s- dream or self-defense dream you know what i don't know if i've actually ever dreamed about bruce lee that's interesting it's possible all right i've dreamed about weird stuff yeah i've dreamed I that i was remember. in kung fu movies like okay. in a kung fu movie universe, like not like yeah. I'm shooting a movie, but like I live in what is essentially the universe of a kung fu movie. All right. Uh, yes. Hmm. Uh, could they be the same person? Yeah. Yeah. Frank O. is wondering if Beardy and Dreisen are the same person, and mm. sometimes I suspect that. You know, Beardy is probably jealous of my. I have five percent knowledge about Bruce Lee, whereas Beardy has like negative sixteen percent knowledge about Bruce Lee. Negative. And he's probably 16. like he's probably a little salty that I can prattle on a little bit and say some like Bruce Lee stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe Beardy created Dryson and his hypotheticals to just burn time on the Kung Fu genius and make us look ridiculous wow. and keep time on the podcast where it's not me talking that is a theory in where it's itself. like this other dude yeah no but this is not the first time someone thought that beardy and dreisen are the same per- person what uh yes all right ninja boy dreisen is the whole reason i watch kfg what Dre- which is funny dreisen gets a lot of guts a lot of love but he also gets a lot of hate he's the- it's right down the middle yeah Right yeah. down, some people love him, some people hate uh-huh. him. He has been asking better questions lately. But here's another thing you might not know. Not just <laughs> oh, Dreyson, but you, Dre. Yeah. You know, last weekend I was at Angela Mao's restaurant. Yeah. And I met with Charles Damiano, which we did an episode, I the Bruce Lee dude. collection, it's Hector, yeah. all these people. And you know the first thing they asked me? Yo, where's Dre? How come you didn't bring Dre? I want to meet Dre. And Charles Damiano said he was disappointed when he came here to do his episode because you were not here. And I'm starting to think that you are taking some of the shine off of uh, the KFG. I would never even try to attempt. No, I start to feel suddenly you're slowly you're trying to take over the reins. (laughs) You know what? You know what, Dre? If you want this show, that's fine. You can have it. All right? I have no... All right? It doesn't have to be... 
the KFG anymore. It could be the TFG, that effing the guy. TFG All right. Show and you know, weird. someone also in the comments said, could we do an episode where I ask the questions and you answer them? And I'm like, are you serious? That that's a whole. Can you imagine? Show. You know what that's we can. You know what format. we can do here live on the uh, on on the KFG live episode. What? We can do that as a hypothetical. Uh, ask. We can do an ask the TFG anything. All right. So let's say <laughs> let's say I'm Dre. All right. Let's say right now. No. Uh, hypothetical. This is all right? not going no. to happen. Hypothetical. We can't, all right. No. We're doing, it's not the KFG podcast all anymore. Right. It's the TFG podcast. TFG all right. That podcast. effing guy. All right. And I'm just the sidekick. All right. I do the, I'll Who do the intros and said, all right. All right, peeps. On today's episode <laughs> of that effing guy, the TFG is going to answer all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of nonsense, lots of you wanted it, you got it. No. Let's get to it. All right. Do, 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 do. There you go. So now you go. Yo, KFG, how you doing? Yo. All right? I'll go, hey, all right. So here we go. All right? So now ask a question. All right? Wow. All right? So. This is bananas. Uh, okay. Tables. All right. I, I, I got a question for you, uh, uh, TFG, right here. Okay. okay. So um, uh, during Bruce Lee's time. So it, it, I'm just reading this off here, right? Oh, during no. Bruce Lee's time period, most of the karate that was famous in the States was point-style karate. Yeah. But as we know, during that time in the late 60s, full contact Kyokushin started to come into prominence. This is, re How, you're reading this right now. However, uh, a, it was not I famous yet. What do you think Bruce Lee would have thought of full contact Kyokushin karate? Uh, what do I think of? If It's okay. your show. Why do you say, what do I think? It's literally, can you imagine if I answer, what do I think? We're asking you, TFG. You this get is, to be me. Is, Someone wanted this hypothetical. First off, first off the TFG show would not even be about kung fu it would, it would be about hip-hop it, it would be right. about yeah. it would be about you and me doing shit. the humpty dance rap yeah, which we did by the way right yeah yeah it would be something along my wheelhouse yo the real john rubio thanks for that donation of 9.99 thank you so much we definitely appreciate it it would be about donations in the nation okay that's what's up appreciate uh, what you guys bruce lee would have been like what okay. what would he have thought of kyokushin karate being that karate at that time period was mostly point fighting very unrealistic kyokushin very real it tough. was full contact real yeah. tough they didn't they didn't have boxing punches to the face they punched to the body but it was definitely a step up in terms of intensity and realism what do you think he, he would have loved of the intensity of it he would love the 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 challenge of it the this is all vague stuff yeah when i tell these stories like well uh -huh. In 19 Blair, he said this. Yeah. He said, L listen, yeah. people really want this episode. You answering questions. Hey. Oh, I think you would have liked the intensity. No. Oh, really? Go on. Let's go. Let's hear it. What else? People are asking too much uh -huh. of the TFG. Uh -huh. That's all I got to say. Uh -huh. That's all I got to say. What do you think he would have thought of the founder of Kyokushin, Chojin Miyagi? He would have respected him. Mm -hmm. Even though it was actually Masoyama who founded <laughs> Kyokushin. <laughs> got it. All right. Okay. So there, ladies and gentlemen, was your hypothetical episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. with the TFG that, answering that questions really instead well. of me. All that right? Really just well. There you go. Uh, Junction Street Tigers, have you ever been to a Bruce Lee film location? Did you feel his presence? Yeah. Been to multiple Bruce Lee film yeah. locations, right? 
so and also just been to places that Bruce Lee has been, not just film locations like and in front of the leaning in now. front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Okay, but obviously to Bruce Lee's grave, you definitely feel his presence when you're over there. Uh, I stood in front of what used to be Bruce Lee's childhood home, which is a mall now. So the actual building oh, is not there anymore. I, the I one on Nathan that. Road. I, I took you guys that. there, and even though it's just a mall now, mm -hmm. you look down Nathan Road and you're like, yeah, I used to walk here. I took you to Bruce's element. Cumberland uh, Lane. I 41 Cumberland 41, Road. 41. 66 Cumberland Lane. 41 <laughs> Cumberland Road. All right, you <laughs> and your jumbling, Lane. right? So I took you to his house. We went <laughs> to his elementary school. I showed yeah. you that. Um, uh, was yeah. that Savior? Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't go there. No, I actually took you to uh, St. Francis Xavier was essentially his high school, okay. his secondary school. The British system is a little different. They have primary and secondary school. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so definitely felt that. Uh, went to a couple Enter the Dragon locations, so Qingshan Monastery. I didn't take you guys there, but that's where the whole finger pointing away to the moon thing is shot. Uh, you definitely feel that there. Plus, they have like a cardboard cutout of Bruce up there, so you're like, oh yeah, he's, it's like he's right here, bro. And uh, but actually, one of the coolest locations where I really kind of felt Bruce okay. was in, in Hong Kong in Aberdeen. Uh, it actually closed down, unfortunately. There's a, there's a floating restaurant called the Jumbo Restaurant, which is actually a very touristy thing in Hong Kong. It's a dim sum joint, yeah. but only tourists go there. Floating and you have to, restaurant. Yeah, and it's basically a big-ass boat, and it's a restaurant. And hmm. I took Justin and Nicole there. Okay. And you got to take like a little boat to get there. And that's the harbor where they shot, you know, at the beginning of Enter the Dragon where he's on the boat yeah. and they're having the flashbacks. It's that harbor with all the boats there. So when you're going there and you look around and you see all those same kind of boats in there and all the junks and stuff, you're like, yeah, it that's totally dope. feels that, right? And oddly enough, I don't know if anyone caught this. I know it can come off a bit disrespectful, but I'm not trying to be. But if you, if you look at Enter the Dragon and you watch when Bruce is on the boat and mm -hmm. there's an old Chinese guy who's moving the boat, yeah. that guy looks eerily like Grandmaster Yip Man. He and does. I always thought it was kind of strange. It's almost like the Sifu is yeah. rowing his student, <laughs> which is not right at all. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, so I definitely did feel that. Uh, hey, Filipino guy. Wow, see if Alex did the intro in one take. <laughs> when I did the, the TFG yeah. intro. Yes, I often do it in one take. <laughs> Dre, on the other hand, not so much. Not so much. Dre's in behind this. He's trying to cause a rift between you two. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. All right. Ba -ba 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 Boom. What else we got here? Uh, what is the martial arts scene like in NY Chinatown? And do you think Chinese martial arts will ever have the resurgence among the younger generation? No, I think Chinese martial arts for the most part is dead. Hmm. I think Wing Chun, because of its connection to Bruce Lee and Wing Chun being on, you know, Wing Chun people are also, I think, more willing than other Chinese martial arts to modernize a little bit. Like you have more Wing Chun people who might, you know, if they're not integrating boxing or jujitsu, they're at least addressing it in terms of their training. Mm. And I think you're more likely to see that in Wing Chun than you are in some of the other martial arts. In terms of the super traditional Chinese martial arts, I really don't know how many generations are left of that kind of stuff. The New York Chinatown scene has kind of died down quite a bit. Okay. And um, I, there are only really a few schools left and even some of the old you know, pillars of Chinatown are, are not around anymore or they're not around in the same level of, you know, their former glory years. Unfortunately, Sifu Boyat passed away over uh, 20 years ago and his school is closed down. And, and some of those pillars, they're kind of gone. Even the, you know, the, the, the big pillar of New York Chinatown, which was a BLT, the martial arts store, which used to be on Canal Street. Yeah. Back in the day, they used to have a huge billboard with Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. 
and then later they moved to Mulberry Street. Um, that place closed down. Well, that place was sold. The old couple, Mr. and Mrs. Yu, who were very good friends with Sifu Lang Ting, I had a chance to meet the owners. They sold it to a young guy. And that young guy got the idea to move it to Flushing out of NY Chinatown. And he moved it to Flushing. He got a business partner. And in the middle of the night, a few months later, his business partner left with all the money and disappeared. So uh, wow. that was the end of BLT. Yeah. And so, no, I don't think so. There's really not a lot of Sifu no left teaching. And, and a lot of the Chinese Sifu don't teach very professionally, unfortunately. So, yeah, uh, uh, the, the martial arts scene is not what it was. It, for people who've never been to New York but are kind of old school kung fu heads, you probably imagine New York to be like the last dragon. Mm. You know, like you go down to a bunch of rival kung fu yeah. schools and stuff like that. And it was maybe a little bit more like that in the 80s. It's certainly not that way now. Uh, if I had five minutes with Bruce Lee, what would you say to him? Stay away from Taiwanese women. All right? <laughs> if you meet a Taiwanese woman, yeah. walk you turn way. around and walk away. <laughs> yeah. If you meet an actress who speaks Cantonese with a Mandarin or Taiwanese accent, you turn around and, and walk, walk away. You know, it's really funny. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of interviews with Betty Ting Pei speaking Cantonese. And Betty Ting Pei is from Taiwan, where she would have spoken Mandarin. Mm. And she was an actress who went to Hong Kong. And obviously in Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese. So she had to learn to speak Cantonese, which is not uncommon. A lot of Taiwanese actors that move to Hong Kong, they can pick up Cantonese pretty quickly. Angela Mao is from Taiwan, went to Hong Kong to make films, learned to speak Cantonese. Mm -hmm. uh, Lu Feng from Venom's fame from Taiwan went to Hong Kong, learned, I spoke Cantonese to Lu Fang, even though he's from Taiwan, because my, my Mandarin is wow. shit. So I, I spoke Cantonese to him and spoke Cantonese to Angela Mao, even though they're both from Taiwan. It's kind of not normal. And I would assume that like Chiang Xiang, like Gong Sang, who's, who's also in the Venoms, but he passed away. He probably also spoke Cantonese. So, but I actually saw a video of Betty speaking Cantonese around the time of Bruce Lee's death. Which would have meant that that was kind of the level of... Because I've heard her speak Cantonese like more recently in more recent interviews. And her Cantonese is like... It's good. It's like... Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, she speaks Cantonese well. But I heard her speaking Cantonese around the time of Bruce Lee's death. Mm -hmm. And she's like mixing Mandarin words. And her accent in Cantonese was, was pretty terrible. Mm. And I can imagine Bruce Lee, who did not really speak Mandarin, that must have drove him nuts. Because she didn't speak any English. Oh, shit. So he's like having to communicate with her in like this like, you know, gibberish kind of mix of it. And so uh, I, I would just say if I had five minutes with Bruce Lee, <laughs> stay away from Betty Ting Pei. Stay away from the cocaine. And if I told him those two things, he might still be around. He might still be around. All right. So what we else got we, a, got we got here? A, uh, donation. Question. Another donation. All right. Cool. Oh, another nine ninety nine. John Rubio. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, question for Sifu Alex. I'm a Wing Chun student in Colorado, Colorado. Duncan Lung lineage, and want to make a commercial for our coon. Wow. How would you best represent all members of and their motives for training? Uh, that's a really great question. So the first thing you I would explain... made a commercial back in the day, I remember. Yeah, and I've also made a lot of mistakes when it comes to marketing. And I've mm -hmm. been, this is a topic that I study quite a bit. I'm not doing a great job with the podcast, marketing the podcast, but uh, other oh, things yeah. I've done a little bit better. But that's okay. The podcast I do for fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we got 6,000 people who kind of like it. Ah, so, um, so the first thing I would say is uh, don't do what all the other martial arts 
especially traditional martial arts people do, which is they make it about the style and they make it about the lineage and how important their teacher is. Because when you want to market to people, your school and your lineage is not the hero of the story. Mm -mm. The student is. All right. They're the hero that is going to go on a journey and you are the Yoda character, but they are Luke. Mm -hmm. And so your marketing has to be with the student in mind as because when people look at something, they we are the the main character of our own stories. Mm -hmm. And if a school talks about well, our lineage is from blah, 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 and we teach the most authentic and blah, 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 whatever, you are making yourself the hero of your own story, which is why people tune out. Okay. So you need to make the student the hero of the story. What is this going to do for them? What is the journey going to do for them? How are they going to transform by learning at your school? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, how would I best represent all members and their motives for training? I wouldn't. Because when you try to speak to everyone, you ultimately end up speaking to no one. Yeah. I would first start by who is your main audience? Who are the, the what is the demographic of the people who train at your school the most? I'm just guessing because I've also taught Wing Chun for 20 years. Adult male, 35 and older. All right. So market to that person first mm. because that 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 is the effect. Wing Chun is all about being efficient. It, 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 you're not efficient by marketing to the 3% of people who might come to your school. You find the main group that's going to come to your school and market aggressively to that group. You will also get people from other groups as well, but don't spread yourself too thin, especially when your marketing budget is small. Then go for the go for your main demographic and you make that person the hero of the story, not your school, not your lineage, not your style. Okay. All right. So that's what I would say. All, All right. right. Frank. Oh, thank you for the 20. Yo, yo. Thank Word. you. He has a question, too. Here we go. KFG. Do you know if Bruce Lee was able to perform full splits, both front and box splits? That's a great question because, you know, uh, performing the splits is like such a big feat in martial arts, yeah. right? You, you see, especially among northern Chinese martial arts styles, uh, the, the late Sifu, Lao Fatmang, the grandmaster of the Eagle Claw, Lili Lao's father, famously had the, he's doing the splits and he has his hands up in the position. A lot of those styles, they, they, they do those splits and things like that. Um, and obviously, once we went into the Van Damme era, yeah. doing the splits was like a big deal. And, and you see a lot of martial Bar artists fights, do it. Oddly enough, oddly enough, uh, you never actually see a photo of Bruce Lee doing splits. You see photos of Bruce Lee kicking high, especially sagittal plane front kicks. Yeah. All right. Uh, his side kick had good height on it, but it wasn't that what the Chinese call yatima, which is the character one stance where he's doing the side kick fully vertical up like this. Like you see some high level Taekwondo people or maybe even someone like Scott Atkins or someone like that do it. You never actually saw Bruce Lee do that stuff. All right. It's actually possible to be able to kick high and not be not able to do the splits. Split. I don't know if Bruce was able to do side splits or, or you know, I guess what you would call here uh, um, box splits, right? Wow. Um, I don't know that. But I'm not saying he couldn't, all right? I've never seen it, all right? When you see him, like, lift up and kick both of his legs up, like in those photos where he's on the trampoline, it's all at an angle. He's actually not in the split. And that was a trick that Boss Rutten also did. Boss Rutten, his his logo, after he would win a fight, he would jump in the air and he would kick both of his legs up to the side. 
and 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 it looked like he was doing a full split but even boss said no i mean like when you're looking at it head on my legs are up like this they're not all the way in a split position right okay so um bruce had uh, a really good forward bend like you see at the beginning of way of the dragon when he's warming up and he does a full forward bend like full chin chin to shin right so i think he probably could have done a front split okay um but he might not have been able to because remember um you know if you do a forward bend that means you have you have good flexibility in your lower back and on your glute side of everything right but in order to do a front split where your your leg has to go back you need to have that front hip flexor has to be stretched and i don't know if bruce had hip flexor mobility um, but i'm not saying he didn't i'm not trying to trigger any bruce lee fan but yeah uh, bruce lee bruce lee could go over splits and he would would do splits eight hours a day every day right like i don't know all right Uh, it's quite possible but uh uh, but i actually don't know i actually don't know all right cool we got time for a couple more and then we we will be done I see a lot of Chinese martial arts from all different styles in New York Columbus Park during the weekends Chinese martial arts seems pretty active there yeah you got some people who practice in the park in Chinatown Park yeah you got some people but like you know uh, for local New Yorkers you know you see some guys in there who have legit Tai Chi skill or push ant skill occasional Wing Chun guy or occasional guy who knows something but you see a lot of what they call in New York Kung Fu bums they call them (laughs) Kung Fu bums and any and anyone who's lived in New York for a time period has seen a Kung Fu bum. There was a Kung Fu bum on the train the other day. I got on the train, I sat down and diagonally across from me was a Kung no. Fu bum and he was there and he was twitching and he was yelling and he was he was oh, doing like all sorts of stuff in there stop. and everyone around him is scared shitless. They, move, they move, they change and we're just sitting there like, yeah, it's another Kung Fu bum. Another all right. Kung Fu bum. And so sometimes you look at the dudes who are practicing in the parks and they're, they're Kung Fu bums. They're in their mind uh, and, and you go like, whoa, dude, look at this dude's form. And you know what I say? It's like, yo, that dude's not performing a form. In his mind, he's fighting 10 ninjas right now. In, in the, the world that yeah. that guy, he's not doing a form he learned from a Sifu. No. In that mind, he's actually having an epic final battle with a number yeah. of ninjas, and he is an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person. So, but again, what do you see? Five people practicing in the park, uh, uh, doing different styles. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's indicative of a vibrant martial arts scene, mm-hmm. uh, Chinese martial arts scene. And, why, and, and the fact that you see people training in the park is actually an indication that the Chinese martial arts scene is not vibrant. Because you know why they're practicing in the park? Because they don't have a school. Because there's no brick and mortar school for them to train in. That's the problem. They are relegated to practicing in the parks right now. Right. All right. And the fact that, oh, no, this guy doesn't have a school. He's not commercial. He must be real. That's not true. The fact that some dude teaches in the park doesn't make him any more legit than someone who actually has a brick and mortar school. So, you know, uh, that also needs to be swept under the rug a bit. All right. Let's uh-huh. close it up here. If you guys have any final remaining comments or questions, I have a question go ahead and put Ninja that in there. What's right up? Here. Yeah. Where can we listen to the KFG theme song? Oh, that's great. If you guys want to hear the full Kung Fu Genius rap song, yeah, uh, which is uh, written by Kess the MC, which mm-hmm. is a legit hip-hop artist. Shout out to Kess the MC. Uh, the best place to listen to, I think we have an instrumental only, and then we have the full version, is on SoundCloud. So if you go to SoundCloud and type in Kung Fu Genius, mm-hmm. uh, Kess the MC, you will find it there as well. All right. Kung Fu Bums. Uh, what about uh, Sicilians? KFG, S- do you know whether Bruce Lee dubbed his own screams in movies? Did he scream with that high pitch in real fight sparring? 
so we talked about this a couple times, like the origins of Bruce Lee's kind of cat cries and stuff like that, mm-hmm. whether that stuff was dubbed later by a voice actor, whether Bruce Lee had done that, whether he recorded that live. Because remember, mm-hmm. Chinese films were shot without sound. Mm. So in terms of what the noises Bruce Lee was making while he was shooting those, we don't know because it was shot without sound. Yeah. Sync sound didn't come to Hong Kong films until much, much later. They basically dubbed everything, mainly because those films were redubbed anyway into Mandarin for the overseas audience because uh, a big percentage of the overseas Chinese audience were Mandarin speakers, so they dubbed them into Mandarin for international release. And even in Hong Kong, they would often release them in Mandarin with subtitles, but often they would, or they would eventually come up with a Cantonese dub. But the weird thing is, even in the Cantonese dubs of a lot of those films, whether we're talking about Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan or Sammo Hung into the 80s. So you, you watch a Sammo Hung movie from the 80s mm-hmm. in Cantonese, and that's not even Sammo Hung's real voice speaking Cantonese. Those are voice actors. So so this is really difficult. Uh, I don't know. It's it's come up from time to time, and uh, we need to talk to someone, maybe Bay Logan or someone who's more knowledgeable on these things than I am. I don't think I can actually answer that what question. What was uh, Bruce Lee's favorite thing to order at Burger King? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Wow. You never heard uh, that one? We got here at a Chinese new uh, at a Chinese New Year event. I saw a Tai Chi Sifu doing no touch moves, flicking his hands out, students falling around. Have you ever seen that happening yourself? Uh, I've seen video demonstrations. I've never seen someone actually say they can do that or come up to me and say they can do that. Uh, and Clayton Robinson, thank you so much for the show. Can't wait to get back and watch all the full street. So Thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We did Bruce Lee and MMA for majority wow. of it. We answered questions. We got amazing donations. Thanks again, David amazing. Reynolds. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Amazing. I hope you guys Thanks enjoyed this. So this week, we'll we'll put the audio of this up on um, you know on Spotify and all those other places. Yes. And we'll put the, the guys. You guys can obviously watch the video again. And next week, we'll be back with a normal ass episode of the Kung Fu Genius. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Kung Fu Genius, and you can watch Dre slapping. Dryson on Instagram. Look, a few days ago was right after the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. As a matter of fact, it was a day after. Coincidentally. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, thank you so much for coming. And as always, I'll see you guys next time.